Hi, my name is Julie Knight, and I'm the CMO at Unit 4, and your host today for Inspiration For You podcast. And this is where we have an opportunity to interview some truly inspiring people and, um, and hear their stories. So today, we are joined by author and journalist Alana Gross. Alana, welcome. It's just a pleasure to have you on Inspiration For You. Um, you have been on an incredible journey since leaving university. In fact, I was thinking about my own journey and went, wow, just not, not even close. So it's been amazing. And, you know, I think between, um, you know, your focus on freelance journalism, you've authored a book called What's Next, your five-year plan for life after college. Now you're an editor uh, at Monster. Um, I would say you are one busy person and um and we love to have busy creative people on inspiration for you thank you for having me <laughs> oh yeah no it's it's absolutely our pleasure and and we're excited to have you so um when we first began our conversation on the podcast and it was it was a bit ago i mean there's a lot of a lot of time between travel and a few other things that uh it's taken us a bit to get here but We've talked a bit about the recent articles on depression at work and why workplaces are encouraging more mental health days. And, um, you know, for me, and I think for many others, it's a timely topic, not only because of the impact of the pandemic itself, but, you know, pressures of the 24-7 always-on work environment. And, you know, I think that's uh, particularly uh, acute for those who work in global companies. And uh, I know we have that phenomenon and, you know, trying to actively uh, tackle it. But, you know, before we get started on the q and I wanted to throw some statistics out for our listeners because it really is um, daunting. It's a thing. And our guest is, uh, has got a lot of insights and I think some, some pretty good ideas uh, on how to, how to tackle it and what companies need to be doing. So, you know, I took this from uh, the article that you had written, Alana, on, um, on, in Monster about um, the survey that was done uh, and over, it was over a thousand full-time and part-time employees in the U.S. And Many of those employees are experiencing depression, 24%. Um, physical illness, 20, uh, excuse me, 12% uh, as a result of their job, which is just, um, you know, it's, it's staggering. And 34% said that their job negatively affects their mental health, which, you know, I remember when I first started, uh, in in business, you know, we didn't even talk about it, but you certainly could see it, but it was maybe a bit of a taboo topic. So, you know, off of that, I took a look at some other stats. There's a recent Deloitte survey, and it said that nearly 70% of professionals feel their employees are simply not doing enough to alleviate burnout uh, within the organization. 21% of respondents said the company does not offer any type of program or initiative to prevent or alleviate burnout, which in this day and age seemed a little surprising. So we'll, we'll delve into that. And finally, 87% of uh, professional surveys say that they have a, a passion for their current job, which I think that's, that's great to know. But 64% say that they are frequently stressed 
And it really is dispelling the myth that passionate employees are immune to stress and burnout. We think, hey, if you're really passionate, then you don't have any of that. And that is uh, that's simply not true. So, you know, I found those statistics startling and I wanted to um, I wanted to dig into this with you. And, you know, I think the first question here is, you know, mental illness, as you wrote, is one of the top causes for worker disability in the U U.S. 62% miss work days as a result of or attributed to mental health conditions. And, you know, you decided that um, this was really, you know, one of the key reasons um, why this was happening. Share with us why. What's what's going on? Yeah, so I had written this article a few years ago. So it was before the pandemic. So I'm sure the numbers have climbed up even more considering, you know, working from home, that kind of shift in work-life balance, you know, yeah. the stress of working through a pandemic, especially if you have kids at home and partners at home and so much chaos going on. Um, so I think the stats would be even more staggering now probably than it was then. But I think the good thing is that things have shifted a little bit. And I think that business owners are realizing that burnout is such a problem. You know, we saw the great resignation, so many people resigning. It kind of is a worker's marketplace now uh, in terms of looking for jobs and in terms of companies wanting to retain their employees. A big part of that is making sure there's like, you know, decent work-life balance, high employee morale, um, you know, a positive work environment, uh, colleagues that are collegial and not competitive, so many of these things. And they really need to do that now in order to keep talent and in order to recruit top talent. So I think that is one positive that's going to come from everything and from all of this is that I think there is more of an emphasis now on focusing on <clears throat> mental health and focusing on well-being and work and focusing on work-life balance and all of these ways to make your work life better. Which is which is a positive. And I know at our at our own company there's been a lot that has been put in place. And certainly as I, you know, take a take a, you know, informal poll of, you know, colleagues at, you know, former colleagues at other companies or just see what's posted on LinkedIn or, you know, in the in the popular press, there's a lot going on there. But, you know, as we get down to the relationship between a manager and an employee, do you do you think these discussions are happening? Uh, do you think managers are open and employees feel there's enough, I, I guess, trust to discuss issues such as burnout, even physical illness as it, relate, as it relates to mental, mental health issues? Uh, and if not, you know, why? Some businesses have actually kind of taken that next step and are having trainings on trainings for any direct managers and executives on talking about depression and anxiety and burnout and stress. And I think that's so great and such a great way to, st to start to destigmatize de it. Um, and I think also having managers and executives who are willing to have those transparent conversations and say, you know, I've struggled with X, Y, Z is also so helpful with any type of leadership. It starts from the top and then, you know, trickles down. So I think that is a big thing. Um, and I also think if someone is uncomfortable talking to their manager and saying, I need, you know, I'd like to take a mental health day, use one of your sick days, or, you know, hopefully there's someone in HR who has been trained in 
having these conversations and helping people. And I also believe that in order to use an EAP, which I think stands for Employee Assistance Provider. Program, yeah. yeah. Program. Uh-huh. So many acronyms these days. Uh, you don't, you can either go to HR or you can just go directly through, you know, which, whichever insurance company you're using. And those are completely confidential. So your workplace is not going to find out what the conversations are about. You know, it's all HIPAA. So it's not, it's completely private. Yeah, no, and most definitely. And, you know, the nice thing is that, is that EAP or employee assistance programs have been been around for quite some time. And I, and I think that they expanded in terms of, of their offerings. You know, I, I would say, you know, one challenge might be, um, you know, as you think about people feeling open to doing that. And I, you know, I, I know when we first started, you know, down the path of uh, the pandemic, there, we, we heard a lot back from our employees about this need, fear about being always on, being always available, right? I'm, well, I'm, I'm, of course, I'm, I'm at home. I'm around my computer. I'm around my phone. I should just be able to answer. I should demonstrate that, um, you know, I guess, sadly, in the words of, uh, of Elon Musk, I'm not pretending to work. I'm, I'm actually working. And I think some people, you know, may have taken that to heart in in a very extreme way, but, is there still a stigma associated with with EAP, or do you think that with all of the discussions around wellness programs and and other things that people are are okay um, in in saying, yeah, I'm I'm going to go do this? I mean, there really sh- I, I it's such so unfortunate that there is things that there are things that are stigmatized. You know, if I went to the doctor because I had the flu, yeah, no one would think anything of it. Right. You know, it's mental health is just as important as your physical health. And I don't really know where the stigma comes from and how we can fully eradicate it. But I think hopefully we're making steps towards that. Um, And I think with the EAP, like it's such therapy bills can range from, you know, $75, $50 to $450 and more. This is a way to get three to five. It, It, it's usually around three to six uh, sessions that it's capped at. Mm-hmm. Way to get free help, way to get resources, some coping mechanisms. And these people are all trained so they can help with a wide variety of things, you know, workplace stress, anxiety, depression, bereavement, addiction, so many different things. And it's such a great resource and a way to invest in yourself without actually investing all of the uh, all of the money to go to go to someone uh, and pay for it. Yeah, no, exactly. And I, and I, I, I think knowing, you know, knowing is half the battle and then being able to, to reach out and get more information and, and make that first call or make that first outreach is, um, is, is really a very valuable step. So changing the conversation a little bit, um, the thing that I've seen become, I'll say more of a thing uh, is mental health days or weeks, mental health Fridays. And, uh, you know, ge- I mean, generally speaking on LinkedIn, you know, it's been a big thumbs up. Yeah, this is great. Overwhelmingly positive. I can, you know, spend time just relaxing. I can spend time with my family. 
Um, a nice thing can be that, you know, everybody's taking it. So there isn't just some people who are taking it and others are not, which means there's the, you know, the, the struggle of, I want to be taking a mental health day, but I'm besieged by whether it's, you know, Slack messages or, you know, text or, or email. Um, do you, do you see more and more companies, you know, be it whether it's in the tech space or in other industries, looking at this as, as something that is, is more commonplace, they're baking it into, um, you know, how, how they set out their, their corporate calendar or their regional calendar is, is that something we're going to see more of? Definitely. And, you know, mental health days are so helpful. And I think I agree with the mental health weeks and with ways to kind of, if someone's not comfortable saying, you know, I need a mental health day, being able to put it down as a sick day or just having kind of an unlimited amount of PTO and not designating what the day is for is also helpful. Mm -hmm. But um, I do think these mental health weeks are great. Like I've seen a lot of companies where they all take the week off, but there are also little things that companies can do, like encouraging people not to email on the weekends and not to email after hours. Like there are little ways that short of taking a full mental health day, I think you can kind of reset the culture a little bit. You know, I know that we didn't get a chance to to touch on this, but you know, given given where you work at Monster, are there companies that, or, you know, just as you, as you research the topic, and I realize these articles are, are, um, are a few years old, are there some companies out there that you see, or some industries that um, are trending in this direction? And, um, and, and who's doing it well? Yeah, I think we've seen a lot recently. I remember yeah. Bumble, for example, they kind mm -hmm. of made headwaves when they recently announced during the pandemic that everyone was going to take a full week off. And I think that it would be continuing annually. Um, there are a lot of companies that are doing summer Fridays and doing other ways to create more work-life balance other than the mental health week off, but doing things like job sharing and flex time. And obviously now we've all jumped, or so much, many of us have jumped into remote work. Right. Um, so all different ways to not only take days off, but also realize that people need time off when they are working. So like ways to make work work for you. I mean, the nine to five schedule was created so long ago and it was really created when there was only one, you know, in two person households with only one working parent. So the whole systems doesn't exactly work for families. So I think all of these ways of introducing more flexibility is so important. Yeah, I, uh, I, 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 I like to see, you know, this, um, let's call it the a la carte menu uh, of opportunities, <laughs> right? And, and different ways that, that you can tap into this and that there isn't any one way, but there's, there's multiple ways to do it. You know, it could be mental health day is I'm, you know, I'm going out with my team and we're simply going out, uh, you know, on a team hike or spending a day at a beach and just, and just simply relaxing. And that is, uh, you know, that's a big step um, for, for a lot of companies. So let's, let's talk about leaders um, <laughs> because uh, leaders can often not necessarily be the best examples, uh, both in <laughs> sharing their own struggles or um, 
you know, one thing that I've, I've seen actually, you know, it's interesting the, the, the type of, um, the type of posts that are, that are coming on LinkedIn these days about people are very much, you know, poo-pooing this, the, the people that espouse, you know, the 80 day work week, you know, I sleep four hours and, uh, and then I'm just right back at work and I don't need that. And, and, um, and that's how you, you make it in, in this, uh, this competitive environment. And, and people are just, they're just saying it's that, that's not, that's not healthy. So let, let's start with the role of leaders in creating a dialogue on the topic. Um, Again, who do you think are there? Are there any leaders out there that you think are doing this well? Are really, you know, taking the mantle to to share where they've had challenges and how they've overcome it, and and how they're translating that personal experience into what do we do at, at the company uh, in their in in their corporate environment uh, to help others? That's a good question. None stick out at the top of my head, although I think that Reshma Saujani from Girls Who Code, I think she recently wrote a book mm-hmm. all about failure and kind of destigmatizing failure and learning from failure and kind of reprogramming how you think about it. And I think there was also a class at Smith mm-hmm. that was dedicated to failure and talking about failure and making mistakes. And I think you know, if you view a mistake or a failure as what you learned from the experience and how you grew from the experience, I think that's so helpful. And you can learn so much more a lot of times from these failures than successes. And I think with leaders, especially, you kind of see all the, all of these success stories. And it seems like it was this overnight success and they just blew up overnight. And no, there's like so much that happens along the way. Like I remember I interviewed Kendra Scott years ago and her first company you know, went bankrupt and now she has this multi, I think a, a billion dollar company. Uh, and there are so many, a billion dollar company. Uh, and there are so many stories like that where their first thing didn't succeed, but they kept going and they made something that did. And I think it's so important to talk about those stories and how it's not just this straight path always. Well, yeah, I mean, I think there's, a, you know, there's that that little cartoon that, you know, the the, you know, the plan and then the execution is is something like this and and you know, you you see that in terms of uh leader stories, whether it's leaders in the tech world or in the sports world. I mean, the sports world is filled with it. You you see people that, you know, have come into the ranks of being a coach or a manager and, you know, it's uh first time in you know, whether it, you know, professional at a professional sports franchise and, and it's a spectacular failure. And then there's the resurgence and then there's sometimes of, I mean, it's, it's up and down and those are all learning, learning opportunities, but, you know, rarely is it, uh, you know, <laughs> up and to the right with, you know, a boulevard of green lights that just simply isn't the case. And, and probably, uh, not not quite an honest rep- representation. Um, so, from your perspective, then maybe we're starting to see a shift of business leaders being willing to share their own struggles. Uh, that it's okay to show vulnerability uh, in leadership in into your teams to show 
um, yeah, I'm, I'm a person just like you. I, I have the same fears. I have the same failures. I, you know, I struggle with, you know, whether it's getting my kids out the door for school or, you know, I missed two weeks of working out cause I just didn't want to get out. I'm like, we're all the same. Um, do you, do you, do you see that? And, and you think that's more of a trend these days? Definitely. And I know a few years ago for Well and Good, I wrote a piece and interviewed business owners of smaller, smaller business owners um, who were all focused on making mental health and well-being and talking about failure part of their their work culture. I was just thinking there's, oh, Sarah Blakely from Spanx. Right, you're right. She, I think, has something called Failure Fridays. And <laughs> she and her Please, we'll all talk about, you know, what went wrong, the failures that they had. And I think that's, that's kind of great to talk about your successes as well as your failures and what you learned from it. Oh, well, it is. It's great. It's brave. And, and, uh, and, and, and inevitably, there's always something to be learned, right? Definitely. Well, I know we didn't have a lot of time today, but it's been an absolute pleasure to have you join us and, and talk about mental health in the workplace. Um, but with that, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share, you know, to those that are new joiners to the workplace, perhaps some seasoned veterans like uh, like a few of us or leaders um, on how they can help and of equal importance offer help to those in need? Yeah, I think it's all about, for one thing, focusing on yourself and your well-being and, you know, taking the mental health day if you need it or taking the sick day and using it as mental health day if you need it, getting help. Um, kind of being aware of when you're feeling that anxiety and burnout and talking to someone using an EAP, talking to a therapist, talking to experts to find out, you know, coping mechanisms and ways that you can feel better. Um, and then just being a listening ear for people, talking to them about the resources that are available to them. I think when people started a new company, it would be really helpful if you know, as part of the benefits package, when you're explaining the benefits to say, like, we also have an EAP available and here's how you would access it. So, you know, making sure that your current and new employees all know about all the benefits that they have available and all of the uh, resources that they have, because I think a lot of times you just don't know what resources there are. You get that, like, kind of boring jargon package yeah. and you're reading through it and then you kind of stop like a top line of what's in it. Uh, what's in it for you and then taking advantage of those resources. Yeah. Consumable content and also access uh, to people who really understand it because sometimes when you need those type of services are the times that, <laughs> you know, going through an 85 page onboarding document is probably, you may not be equipped to do that at that particular moment. So, so with that, we'll end it there. Alana, many thanks for your time and fantastic insights uh, for joining us today for the episode of Inspiration for You, which is brought to you by Unit 4. If you enjoyed, enjoyed this episode, do follow us on social at Unit 4 Global on Twitter and Instagram and Unit 4 on LinkedIn and Unit 4 Business Software on Facebook. And if you're interested in learning more about Unit 4, please visit us at, at www.unit4.com forward slash contact us. And with that, have a terrific day wherever you might be.